1500. Your home of the best pens coverage. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown hasn't hit anyone with furniture today, so it's a good day. Let's see what Sunday's like. That game between the Steelers and Cincinnati is going to be medieval. It always is when these teams play. It's physical, and it's dangerous, and there's a lot of injuries. The Bengals are dirtier, and the Steelers get hurt more. Juju lit up perfect last year. So Burfick's going to be looking for Juju. So the Steelers go out there and got to play in a violent, dangerous atmosphere, and they still got to win the game. And if you want a little more emotion, this game last year at Cincinnati is when Shazier got paralyzed. I don't know how the Steelers got through that game, let alone won it. That moment changed the Steelers forever. With Shazier... Maybe they win a Super Bowl at some point in the near future. Now, to be honest, I kind of doubt it. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. There were 20 penalties called in that game last December 4 between the Steelers and Bengals at Cincinnati. And seven of those were extracurricular penalties. That's what they call them, extracurricular. Four unnecessary roughness, one taunting, one roughing the passer. It's just the most extracurricular penalties called in a game all of last season. And if you want to extrapolate further, since 2015, there have been 29 extracurricular penalties called in games between the Steelers and Bengals, that is by far the most, by double digits the most, of any rivalry in the National Football League. It's out of control. I talked to somebody who works for the Steelers last night, and he noted that Joe Hayden mostly covered Julio Jones one-on-one, that doubling on Jones was minimal, except for a little safety help over the top. So, should the Steelers do that again with Hayden and A.J. Green? I don't see how they don't. This is an odd game to handicap, to predict, because the Bengals rank 16th in total offense and 25th in total defense. Not real great. But they rank 4th in scoring offense just behind the Steelers. So they are opportunistic, And the Bengals rank 25th in total defense, like I said, but 11th in scoring defense. So the opposition against the Bengals has not been opportunistic. There's some luck involved there. Good fortune to be sure, but 4-1 doesn't lie unless it does. I don't think the Bengals are as good as 4-1. 
But Sunday's game has so many sidebars, it's tough to pick a winner. You look at Vontez Perfect and the way he plays, and you wonder, what is it that makes Vontez Perfect such a broken person? Then again, Antonio Brown is a broken person too. Uh, They're just broken in different ways. Some people are blaming CTE for AB's sociopathic behavior at the apartment complex in Florida. Uh, That's become a catch-all excuse when football players do something bad because they couldn't possibly be bad people. Uh, Merrill Hodge, by the way, wrote a book that says CTE can't be linked to football and it's part of a conspiracy to ruin football. A, that sounds just plain nuts. And B, why would anybody want to ruin football? Who exactly benefits from that conspiracy? Football produces billions. Who benefits if that stops? Qui bono? Uh, this just in, Ed Bouchette posted at the uh, Post-Gazette website. Antonio Brown's behavior as alleged in two lawsuits filed against him in Florida has attracted the attention of the National Football League and could ultimately lead to discipline of the Steelers' wide receiver. The league's personal conduct policy prohibits, quote, conduct by anyone in the league that is illegal, violent, dangerous, or irresponsible, put innocent victims at risk, damages the reputation of others in the game, and undercuts public respect and support for the NFL, unquote. Well, now hold it. If you're going to call throwing furniture from the 14th floor off a balcony at a 22-month-old kid, if you're going to call that putting innocent victims at risk, I'm sorry, that's that's just semantics. Uh, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy told the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, quote, we are aware of and will continue to monitor the civil suits against Braun, unquote. Uh, in other Stillers news, Mike Tomlin was fined 25 k for criticizing uh, the officials after Sunday's home win over Atlanta. You know, just a thought here. Maybe the week before the Cincinnati game wasn't the best time to anger the officials. Uh, the ref for the game at Cincinnati is Cleet Blakeman. He worked Super Bowl 50 a couple years back. And Cleet Blakeman, this is good. You couldn't make this up. Cleet Blakeman also works as a personal injury attorney. Uh, the NFL certainly picked the right guy for Bengals versus Steelers. 412-333-9939. Is the number to call, or you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Madden X. Uh, going back to that game last year, the December fourth game, it was just unreal. It was a sickening game. I mean, I know there's animosity between the teams, but to have twenty penalties, including seven extracurricular penalties, that goes. Way past toughness. Even John Gruden, he was doing Monday Night Football at the time, and he's a blood and guts old school guy, and he said, I don't like this kind of football. 
And that makes you wonder how much worse it could get. What will it be like Sunday when the Steelers again visit Cincinnati? Getting to hockey, the Vegas Golden Knights visit tomorrow, and that would normally be a a big occasion. But Marc-Andre Fleur will not be in the net for Vegas. Instead of getting Murray versus Fleury, we're going to get the Smith versus Subban. Flurry will play for Vegas tonight at D.C., so you can watch Flower play on TV. Vegas is 1-2, and two, and Flurry has been pulled from a game already. Somebody asked Flurry what it's going to be like to be in Pittsburgh and not play, and he said, quote, I kind of got used to that the last couple years, unquote, which is hilarious. Uh, I don't know what to say about the Matt Murray injury, the concussion. That's three concussions since he debuted in December 2015, and eight injuries total. The Penguins kept the right goalie. He's the one that won the two cups, but the injuries have been very frustrating and frustrating to Murray uh, most of all. Some people like to still keep fighting that battle, but every GM in the league would have kept Murray over Flurry if faced with that option because of age. But I, I do think the Penguins might have tried to keep both except the expansion draft made that impossible. Uh, based on practice today, it looks like Ricola will indeed play DeMar instead of Mata. I disagree, but okay, let's see what Ricola can do. Mata will bounce back. Derek Grant uh, got put on waivers today. No word on whether he cleared. If he does, he'll be sent to Wilkes. That's surprising because Rutherford really likes him, but you just don't need six centers. I believe this was done because they needed space for the goaltender call-up, Jari, because of the injury to Murray. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Got a great guest list today at 3.30. Danny Stagg, knee Steigerwald, brother of John, Paul, and Bill, guitar player for Kingdom Come. They're on the comeback trail, and they will be at Jurgles. Next Wednesday, one week from tonight. Then at three at four thirty, we got Mike Rupp talking hockey at five thirty live in studio. It's Dejan Kovacevic. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about another dumbass, contrived, sickening banner raising. Wait to hear what the Nashville Predators did. One hundred five nine X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Everyone, big fan, big fan. Thank you. I want to say, hell, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. Let me review the numbers from that game between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh last year. December 4th, at Cincinnati, the game where Shazier got paralyzed. 20 penalties for 239 yards. Seven extracurricular penalties. Four for unnecessary roughness. One for sportsmanlike conduct, one for roughing the passer, one for taunting. That's seven extracurricular penalties. That's what they call them, extracurricular. And that was the most in an NFL game last season. The Steelers and Bengals have committed 29 extracurricular fouls against each other since 2015. And that is, by double digits, the most of any matchup in the league. A couple suspensions in that game. Juju for that blindside crackback. And taunting Burfecht, Iloka for hitting Braun in the head, although Iloka's suspension was later rescinded. Uh, that game was a war. 
Uh, that word war is often used to romanticize football, but it didn't work this time because of the damage done. Uh, the Steelers came back to win after trailing 17 nothing. They won uh, 23-20, but you almost didn't care because of what happened to Shazier and because of the game's savagery. And now this Sunday, you got Burfecht looking for revenge on Juju. He's coming off a PED suspension. That's a nice thought. Vontez Burfecht with Roy Rage. It uh, has every potential to be a really mean scene at Cincinnati on Sunday. You know what's hilarious? People uh, say I'm bashing A.B. when I talk about what he is alleged to have done in Florida. And when I say Braun needs help, actually, when I say Braun needs help, I don't like the guy, but I'm showing him more concern than most of you out there would ever do. Uh, A.B. needs help, and the people closest to him, and the fans too, they just want him to keep catching footballs. So what happens, happens, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if A.B. follows his furniture off the 14-story balcony uh, sometime in the future. That ain't a joke. That strikes me as a legit possibility. Uh, the Nashville Predators raised a Western Conference regular season championship banner. Let me repeat so you can perhaps comprehend. A Western Conference regular season championship banner with the crowd there and the players on the ice, spotlights, the whole schmear. It's what non-winners do. But it's too much. It's stupid. It goes too far, and they're clueless. They put up a President's Trophy banner, too, and division champs. I get that. I do. But even those banners, you don't raise them in front of a crowd. You just put them up there when the building's empty, and the crowd notices them when they come in and they say, yeah, that's nice. Nashville's not a hockey town. They have no idea what means what. And I don't care how good they are. Then again, Washington did all that, but eventually won a Stanley Cup. Maybe Nashville will do the same. I called the Predators non-winners. There's a difference between non-winners and losers. Losers are like under 500, high draft pick, all that crap. Non-winners are teams that are good, don't go all the way, but think they did. Act like they did. Do stuff like Nashville did with the banners. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers had their home opener last night, and they lost 8-2 to San Jose. And the fans at Wells Fargo are booing already. And I loved it. God help me. I did love it. So I was watching that game. It's like, you know, the Sharks are ahead by six already, and I'm rooting for them to get more. Penguins are ahead 6-2. I'm like, okay, let's just get this over with with nobody getting hurt. Flyers trail by, by by four. I'm thinking, okay, Sharks pile it on, and if somebody gets hurt, so much the better. 412-333-9939. Uh, we're going to talk quite a bit about this Steelers-Bengals game today, tomorrow, and Friday. Uh, A.J. Green is the Bengals' primary weapon. We all know that, but Joe Mixon, the running back, he's averaging 4.5 yards per carry. And Tyler Boyd, the receiver, Pitt, Clarendon High School, he's got 30 catches and two touchdowns. That's actually more catches than A.J. Green. 
Boyd leads the team. Boyd has turned out to be one heck of a player at the NFL level, and good for him. Uh, Boston beat the New York Yankees last night, as expected. That closes out the division series three games to one. Now you got Boston and Houston in the ALCS. Boston has so much pitching. And you got Milwaukee, excuse me, Houston has so much pitching. Boston got to bat. So does Houston. And uh, you got Milwaukee against L.A. I'm rooting for Milwaukee to go all the way because that kind of sticks it up the Pirates' backside. Neil Walker got hit by a pitch with the bases loaded last night, and that equals Kutch's career playoff total for RBI. Walk didn't even swing the bat, and he equaled Kutch. Uh, Tom Cruise is filming... Top Gun 2. I don't know how you do that 32 years later. But it beats Hollywood having to come up with original ideas. Cruz is 56 now. I figured he'd have long since left the planet on the bridge to total freedom. I I thought Cruz would be on TGAC with Xenu at this point. Up next, we got Danny Stagg, the fourth Steigerwald brother. His band, Kingdom Come, had a gold album in 1988, toured with the Monsters of Rock, Van Halen, Metallica, Scorpions, and were all over the radio with a song called Get It On that sounded a lot like Zeppelin. Kingdom Come were Greta Van Fleet before we had Greta Van Fleet. Danny Stack and Shred, great guitar player, and Kingdom Come have reunited and will be at Jurgles and Warrendale one week from tonight. Up next... Danny Staggerwald. Danny Stagg, I should say, here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, I wanted to ask why my cat talks in her sleep. Cats are weird. One time my cat didn't eat for three weeks. I didn't feed her. The X at guest right now is a Steigerwald, brother of John, Paul, and Bill, and his band Kingdom Come is on the comeback trail and will be at Jurgles in Warrendale one week from tonight. He is Danny Stagg. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining me. Uh, you chose a different path than the other Steigerwalds. You went to rock and roll. How'd that happen? Well, yeah, somebody had to do it. You know, it's a dirty job, but somebody had to do it. Uh, I was just surrounded by music, you know, growing up at my house, and uh, my brothers especially encouraged me. Like, Bill would get home from Villanova and stick his head in the bedroom door, and he'd say, can you play blues yet? You know, <laughs> it was, uh, I was encouraged to, to uh, you know, pursue my uh, talent, I guess, by them, and, uh, you know, that's how it happened. Now, Kingdom Come's Gold album came out 30 years ago this year, uh, that's part of the impetus behind the reunion tour, I'm sure. The band was yeah. playing as recently as 2014, but this reformation is pretty full-fledged. How'd the reunion come about then? Well, that would be our James Kotak, our drummer. He's been wanting to do this for at least five or six years. And it was on, and then it was off, and it was on, it was off. It's it's real hard, you know, with uh, to schedule it with, you've got five people's lives involved, and everybody's got other things that are involved in, you know, different projects and stuff. And James was with Scorpions, 
Uh, he was still Scorpion's drummer at the time when we first tried to do it. It almost happened, and then he had to go do a tour and an album with Scorp, so it was put on hold again. But now everything seems to have aligned, and here we are. Now, the reunion does not include Lenny Wolf, the original singer. All the originals are present but Lenny. What's that adjustment been like for the band, Dan, with Keith St. John doing vocals? Well, we're having a great time. We're, all, we're laughing a lot, and uh, we're just having a great time. And um, It's almost like we never skipped a beat. I mean, the first rehearsal, actually the first dinner, when we all got together and had dinner, it was like we'd... It was like a, a month had passed. I mean, it's it's almost bizarre. Now, the first single came out in 1988. Uh, I played it at the top of this interview, Get It On, and it was big right away, all over the radio. You toured with Van Halen and Metallica, Monsters of Rock, Three River Stadium. Uh, what was that instant success like? That was an awesome time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a complete mind-blower. I mean, it, it was... A, you know, our first show ever in the United States was for 33,000 people at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin up there. Uh, it's sort of like the old Star Lake amphitheater type place. And, uh, I mean, we were all over the radio. We were in People magazine. We were, we were on local news every, on that Monsters tour. They, they had news crews and satellite trucks at every gig. And so we were on the news constantly. And the record was most requested for six weeks consecutively on, uh, AOR stations like DVE. And uh, it was almost like I couldn't sleep. It was it was amazing. It was like a, a total dream come true. It's like your life was passing before your eyes, you know? Now, I, I saw you guys at Three Rivers on that tour. Tons of people. Dan, that must have been a great moment for you and your family. What do you remember most oh, yeah. about that day? What I remember most about that day was my mom and my dad and my Aunt Louise being there and, you know, everybody that everybody except my sister who was in New Mexico. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, pretty loud, you know, for them. And uh, there's actually some footage that KDKA has of, uh, you know, some Danny Stagg stuff that they did. And um, when I got off the stage, my mom was there, and she was she was dabbing her eyes with a, a handkerchief and crying, you know, because she was so proud of me, I guess. And, and my dad, somebody said, Mr. Steigerwald, what did you think? He said, they weren't loud enough. The people in Charlotte couldn't hear him. <laughs> We're talking to Danny Stagg of Kingdom Come here on the X. Kingdom Come at Jurgles one week from tonight. Uh, now, Get It On was a big hit, but you guys weren't one-hit wonders. Uh, like, you had What Love Can Be, Do You Like It. Kingdom Come had lots of good songs, didn't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. That, we went uh, four or five singles deep on the first record. And uh, on the second record, uh, Do You Like It was uh, definitely a hit. So, yeah, I think uh, we might have surprised some people with that sophomore album, as they call it. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting us to be a flash in the pan, and we, we weren't because we had done so many dates in 1988. We were like a, a juggernaut at that point, and Lenny... Uh, was an unbelievably prolific writer at the time. I mean, we and we were all contributing, and we we just had we just had to get the stuff out there, you know, while we had the chance, and so we did. Now, everybody at the time said Kingdom Come sounded like Led Zeppelin. I'm not sure the similarities were constant. Uh, what did you think of that then, and what do you think now, looking back? Well, that to be compared to Zeppelin is probably the highest compliment you could ever get from somebody in the 
hard rock, you know, area. So, um, that was, um, amazing. And, uh, it's looking back on it now, it does seem a little bit like, um, maybe that was a little exaggerated at the time, you know, that the, uh, the fact that we sounded a little bit like them. Uh, most of our stuff doesn't really sound like Zeppelin. We sound like Kingdom Come, but I can't, you know, that's really high compliment, uh, and I'll take it. Well, I don't know if you've heard of this new band, their kids, Greta Van Fleet, and they're going yeah. through the same thing with the Zep Talk. Uh, have you heard them, Dan, yeah. and what's your opinion of them? Well, when I first heard them, I, I was literally, the hair stood up on my arms. I mean, it was, it was like, uh, it was a breath of fresh air. I was, I was really glad to hear a bunch of young kids. I mean, God, they were just out of high school and they're playing their asses off and they're, they're bluesy and their singer is really, really good. And I hope that they stick around and I'd like to see them develop. They're obviously, I've seen interviews with them. They're really intelligent kids, you know, and, um, I think they're going to do great and, and like, like they said, I think in an interview, like that's a really great compliment to be compared to Led Zeppelin. I mean, I can't think of a higher compliment for a rock band. Now, uh, between stints with Kingdom Come, I remember in '92 you had a great band, Royal Jelly, with uh, Jonathan Edwards, the ex-Forner guy on vocals, and your yeah. promotions guy died. The record was doing pretty good, and the promotions yeah. guy died. That was a great album, Dan. What a bad break that was. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a really fun band and a great record. And the, uh, we were really good friends. And when we went on the road and did about 35 days, we just, we laughed and we drank and we had a good time. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. At least it's out there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of our work on that record. We, uh, you know, that was, it was a three-piece band with a lead singer. And that's, that's always been one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I can concentrate on playing guitar and um, and filling everything in, and it's it's my favorite thing. And uh, it's also great having the two guitar attack like Kingdom Come. It really it, it sort of makes it so that you you don't have to keep everything together. You can just sort of uh, embellish, you know, and uh, you can you don't have to play the same thing every night, you know. Now, uh, I know in between Kingdom Come and Royal Jelly, you played a lot of blues. That that really is your first love, isn't it, the blues? Yeah. Whenever anything went, went uh, not you know, didn't go perfectly in my career or whatever, like the Royal Jelly thing, I would just go back to the blues. And, and just, I mean, I played with Willie Try for two and a half, three years in Pittsburgh, and I, I probably played 300 times with him. And, uh, and that was like... It's sort of like going back to the mother vine, if you will. You know, the thing that inspired me in the first place and just sort of uh, get back to my roots and recharge. And it's always there. It's, blues is never going to go anywhere. So if I need to go play and, and you know, get my uh, rocks off, I'll just, I can just go sit in with a blues band anywhere and everybody knows the songs. You know, it's, it's the blues. You don't have to rehearse. You just, fall right in and, and play your ass off. Now, what's it like coming back to Pittsburgh in one week to play at Jericho's? I'm sure that'll, that, that holds a special feeling. Oh uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I really love Pittsburgh and I'm always chalking it up to everybody. I just came through Kansas city 
And uh, let's just say it's not quite as picturesque as Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's behind us about 20 miles now. Um, a lot of people around Pittsburgh have, uh, you know, supported me the last 10 years or so. Uh, people have helped me out a lot, like Gary at the R Bar and, um, you know, uh, rooting for me and stuff. So now that this has finally come to pass, I mean, they, they thought this was going to happen six years ago and they, they had a send off party for me and, and I signed records for people and it was all great. And then it didn't happen. And we put it on hold again. And now that it's finally happening, it's like vindication for, for me and for everybody. And I want everybody to come out and see the Pittsburgh boy do good. <laughs> Well, Dan, this is great. I can't wait for next Wednesday. Thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Good stuff. All right, Super G. Go Steelers. That is... <laughs> see, he really is a Steigerwald. Actually, I'm not sure John yeah. would stay that. That's Danny Stag. Uh, Kingdom Come. They got those first two albums. They got any of Kingdom Come's work. It is, it's really good stuff. And uh, Dan actually plays more like Hendrick's. Well, rhythm like Page, lead like Hendrix. And and he's real good. I'm not making those comparisons flippantly. We got Mike Rupp next hour. We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh again, I'm I'm thinking that Bengal Steelers game Sunday has every potential to be a bloodbath. Do you think there's any chance that that Vontez Burfecht isn't gonna get a, try to get even with Juju Smith Schuster? After Juju laid him out with that crackback last year and taunted him. Vontez Burfecht ended the seasons of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, each within recent memory. He tried to knee Ben in the shoulder. He kicked Rosie Nix. And if you want the truth, the root of these games being as violent as they are, as nearly medieval as they are, is Vontez Burfecht. He's a great player. But he's going to screw loose. Something snaps, especially when he plays the Steelers, and he makes the game extremely dangerous. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're talking to the super genius. Yo, double up. Yo, drunk up Willie. Mark Madden is Pittsburgh Sports. The X at 105.9. No matter what anybody says about the Steelers-Bengals game Sunday, and I'm sure the referees have been put on notice. They know what games between these teams are like. I'm sure they'll try to keep things in control, but there'll be no way to keep it from kicking off when Burfitt goes after Juju, which I'm sure he will, to try and get revenge after Juju laid him out and taunted him last year. Does Burfitt strike you even one second, as a guy who would let Juju get away with that. And maybe that's good that the Bengals are the blasting cap, that they're the fuse because that's rewarded the Steelers very well in the past, like in that playoff game a couple years back when the Bengals literally stupided their way out of a victory and handed the Steelers a win in a playoff game because they just couldn't control themselves, because they just couldn't help themselves. Uh, It's funny, the Bengals are the dirty team between the two, but the Steelers this year have a lot more penalties. 
The Steelers lead the NFL in penalties with 49. That's 16 more than the Bengals. But illegal motion penalties don't kill people. Vontez Burfitt kills people. The Steelers just take sloppy penalties. Uh, there's a big story in the Post-Gazette about T.J. Watt being on pace to have 19 sacks, which would set a single-season franchise record for the Steelers. Okay, but Watt had three sacks in each of two games and none in the other three games. Watt was invisible in weeks two, three, and four. Hey, Watt's a good player, and only in his second year. But it's about consistency, and Watt needs to build that, as do the Steelers in general. Uh, Watt got his second AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week. And after just five weeks, that is impressive. I didn't know this. I know I, I, I knew that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, takes care of the O-line, takes him out to dinner, gets some watches and stuff like that at season's end. But he also buys the O-line gifts whenever he isn't sacked in a game, which he wasn't last week. He spends about 100 or 150 per, which is a drop in the bucket, considering what Ben makes, but that's smart. It's not necessary because those guys are just doing their jobs. But Ben has always known how to rally his O-line to get the boys with him, and that can only help. A, a quick Penguins note. We, we've spoken about Rikulup. Going to take only modest place in the lineup tomorrow night when Vegas visits. Uh, I will be at Buford's on 5th Avenue doing the show there tomorrow on the top four, so be sure to stop by and see me. In fact, the first five kids, you got to be like a kid. I don't know what the age for a kid is. Let's say under, let's say under 15. 15 or under. If you can drive, you you don't get a freebie. First five kids to come up and say hello, get a penguin's puck from me. If I remember to take them down there. And if I don't, I'll be honest. Don't cry for me, Argentina. You'll just be out of luck. But Rico practiced with the number two power play today. Now, I'm not saying Rikula should or shouldn't be on the number two power play unit because I've not seen him enough. But this coaching staff can fall in love with people so decisively. Rikula is going from not playing to being on the number two power play. Dominic Simone jumped on Sid's line last year as a rookie. And on the opposite end of the scale, Zach Aston Reese and Daniel Sprong are two guys they just can't get behind. Although I think once Aston Reese totally heals up from the broken jaw, well, probably the Penguins will play Washington, and then Aston Reese will get it broken by Tom Wilson all over again. But I think Aston Reese will be back. And I think Sprong will get his chance. Injury, baby. Whenever you say this guy should be there or the other guy should be here, Nine out of ten times, sooner or later, they do get that chance due to injury. And then you've got to make the most of it. We don't talk about pit football much because the coach irritates the crap out of me. But this breaking news uh, this hour, Quentin Werginis, the uh, senior linebacker and team captain, sustained a non-contact knee injury in practice 
and underwent season-ending surgery today. That'll end his collegiate career as well. That's a shame. Kid's a heck of a ball player. I hear he's a good guy as well. So get well wishes go out to pit linebacker uh, Quentin Orginis. Uh, no quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I heard the B teams talking about how when Bell comes back, they should use him as the slot wide receiver. I know you're desperate to make up some ground on me. I've seen the numbers. I'd be desperate if I were you too. But when's the last time a slot receiver got paid 855k per game? He's a running back. You bring him back, make him a running back. People treat, and this has been ongoing, treat James Conner like he's Walter Payton dipped in Jim Brown. When Bell comes back, if he's in shape, he plays. Period. He plays. Let's go to Nick in Level Green. Nick, very quickly, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Um, I actually had a comment and question, but take whatever you would. I, I, I apologize. Um, my comment is on Sunday, we have to kind of forget about uh, the Cincinnati Bengals' defensive stats with Perfect in there. I think he changes that dynamic incredibly to where they're a fantastic defense coming back. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but I said, like I said, Nick,